This is your Classical Break, your daily dose of classical music. I'm Tyler Ralderson, and today we'll be finishing up with Beethoven's first piano sonata. Beethoven published this in a set of three piano sonatas, known as his Opus II sonatas, because it was the second set of music that he published. As a 25-year-old, he wasn't a prodigy or a wonderkind, but he was still young and a promising composer. And his talent was obvious enough that one of the biggest composers, not only in Vienna, but in all of Europe, Joseph Haydn, took him on as a student. Beethoven certainly admired Haydn's music, and at this point in his career, he appreciated the elder statesman taking him under his wing. But Beethoven wasn't a fantastic student. Even though he could be very self-critical, he seems to have taken many of Haydn's criticisms of his work personally. Beethoven also didn't want to be seen as derivative, a common charge levied against composers of his day. Since Haydn was so popular, there were many imitators, and both Haydn and Beethoven wanted to make sure that the younger composer was not counted as one of them. One of the turning points in their relationship seems to have revolved around a set of piano trios that Beethoven had written and wanted to publish. Haydn liked them, but he advised Beethoven against publishing one of them, either because he thought it needed more work, or possibly because he thought that it was too advanced for the audiences of the time. Regardless of his reasoning, it was Beethoven's favorite of the set, and he thought the older composer was just jealous. Haydn also suggested that Beethoven put the phrase, a student of Haydn, under his name, to lend some of his star power and possibly help sales. Even though he probably did want in some way to align himself publicly with his talented pupil, this wasn't Haydn being egotistical so much as being pragmatic. He knew that his name meant something in the music scene and felt like it could be useful to include it, and in many ways it was a compliment because it meant that he was so taken by his students' music that he felt comfortable putting his own reputation out there for the relatively unknown composer's sake. But to Beethoven, this felt a bit too much like Haydn trying to take credit for his work. Their teacher-student relationship didn't last long, and Beethoven later groused to a friend that he had learned nothing from Haydn. This was, of course, completely untrue. Even if he hadn't learned anything from Haydn, the teacher, there is a direct musical line from much of what Haydn did to what Beethoven was about to do, and Beethoven definitely knew it. This set of piano sonatas could be seen as a bit of an olive branch to his former teacher, because Beethoven dedicated them to Haydn when they were published. Their paths would cross again many more times, and they seem to have been at the very least cordial after they stopped the lessons. Later in life, Beethoven did acknowledge his debt to Haydn and spoke of him reverently. This third movement shows some of the tension between the standards that Haydn had set in his own music and the new voice that Beethoven would develop. It's a minuet, the conventional third movement in a piano sonata, but Beethoven writes the rhythms such that it would be very hard to dance to the music. The middle section has a free-flowing feel, while the outer sections feature halting, syncopated rhythms that can sound a little disjointed. And that's a big part of what Beethoven did, honestly, throughout his career. Take something that was conventional, a standard at the time, and do his own thing, add his own twist, and set his own standards. The final movement really feels like the Beethoven we know and love from his later work. There's a frantic energy to the whole movement, with the dark mood lifting for just a little while in the middle as a more elegant theme comes in. Here's Paul Pittman with the third and fourth movements of Beethoven's first piano sonata.
stormy drama in the final movement is a little taste of what was to come from Beethoven, the big dramatic pieces that he would write later in his career. Thanks to Paul Pittman for putting that up on museopen.org. And thank you for listening. If you have the chance, please rate and review this podcast wherever it is that you're getting it. I'm Tyler Alderson, and tomorrow for your classical break, we'll be listening to an overture by the Italian composer Francesco Veracini. I'll see you then.